So while I won't tell you who to vote for, real quick, I'll tell you how I think you should vote if you haven't already voted. Are you ready for this? You should do your due diligence and you should study and you should figure out which candidates represent what you think will be best for this country. And with full confidence, you should go to the, the, the ballot box, you should go to the voting booth, and you should, as a, a joyful American, thankful you live in this country and have the opportunity to participate, you should cast your vote. And as soon as you hit submit or you hand off that ballot and you walk away, you should recognize you made a mistake and you should repent and move on with life. That's what I plan on doing on Tuesday. You see, it's really tempting to put a lot of our hope in the people we elect. It's tempting to put a lot of our goals for what the future might hold in the people we elect. I don't know if you know this or not, but 2020 is not the first time America has faced difficult elections. In fact, it seems every single election, there's this pressure. This is the most important one we've ever had before. Well, sure, but the next one will be even more important. So move on. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning. Real quick, as an aside, I have to say, some of those names are a lot harder for me to hear uh, than I expected. And I just want to let you know that if you're going through something, somebody you love that is gone or maybe is battling something, please don't do that alone. Let's be a community that looks for those hard and difficult and painful places and comes around each other and says, we're here for you in the midst of this. You're not alone. Now we are today wrapping up our five-week series on what the Bible says about politics. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but I'm really excited that politics are soon going to be a thing of the past, and we won't have to hear from them anymore. Now some of you have maybe already cast your vote, as many Americans have. In fact, record numbers have gone to the polls early. Maybe some of you, like me, prefer to vote on Tuesday. Like, that's something I enjoy. I want the thrill of saying I'm doing what other Americans, every other American, maybe, is doing today. It's like this joy of feeling part of something bigger than me. So my wife, I watch the kids so she could go and vote early, and then I, I'm going to go and vote on Tuesday. But maybe some of you are, are thinking of the ballot you cast, or the one you have yet to cast, and you're really torn See, on Tuesday night or Wednesday morning as you wake up, for some of you, the person or the people you think should lead this country will be elected. Whew, a sigh of relief. For some of you, the person or the people you think should lead this country will not be elected. And there may be fear or panic or confusion 
or all kinds of other mixed emotions. And for some of you, if you're like me, you will vote on Tuesday not all that sure that your vote counts or that you made the right choice. Did I choose the lesser of two evils? Did I choose the right option? Was my vote good? So while I won't tell you who to vote for, real quick, I'll tell you how I think you should vote if you haven't already voted. Are you ready for this? You should do your due diligence and you should study and you should figure out which candidates represent what you think will be best for this country. And with full confidence, you should go to the, ba- the, the ballot box, you should go to the voting booth, and you should, as a, a joyful American, thankful you live in this country and have the opportunity to participate, you should cast your vote. And as soon as you hit submit or you hand off that ballot and you walk away, you should recognize you made a mistake and you should repent and move on with life. That's what I plan on doing on Tuesday. You see, it's really tempting to put a lot of our hope in the people we elect. It's tempting to put a lot of our goals for what the future might hold in the people we elect. I don't know if you know this or not, but 2020 is not the first time America has faced difficult elections. In fact, it seems every single election, there's this pressure. This is the most important one we've ever had before. Well, sure, but the next one will be even more important. So move on. See, we in our culture have made our politics our identity, and we get so consumed with the wrong things that we forget who we really are. And we think that the right man or woman or leader or group or party or platform or whatever will fix our problems. Spoiler alert, no matter who wins on Tuesday night, America will still have a lot of problems on Wednesday morning. The church in America will still have a lot of problems on Wednesday morning. You see, it doesn't matter who wins, the right person in the right position won't change the brokenness that is all around us. And there could be an argument made that one person or party might propel that brokenness further in one direction or the other. Sure, we could have that discussion. But nonetheless, that brokenness won't be fixed by your vote. So today, as we conclude this series, I want to talk about something that for many of us, probably all of us in some measure, is really, really uncomfortable and we don't like to hear. I certainly don't. What do we do if the wrong person gets elected? What do we do if the person we think is terrible or the platform or the party we think will destroy this country, what if they get chosen? What then? Well, I'm going to read to you the words of Romans chapter 13. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. Did you catch that? What do we do on Tuesday if it doesn't turn out the way we hope? Submit to the authority. See, none of us really like to hear the idea of submitting to authority because we have all these reasons authority is really bad. 
but look at how they're caused division. Look at how they're tearing things down. Look at this and that. The book of Romans was written by a guy named Paul who certainly knew about a government that was less than godly. In fact, Paul often was imprisoned simply for telling people about Jesus. He was often beaten and tortured. Many of his friends and his peers were literally killed just because there was no freedom of religion. Surely on Wednesday morning, we'll at least be a little better than that here in this country. Paul, he knew all kinds of suffering at the hands of government leaders who did all kinds of evil. In fact, some of the most horrific evil we've ever seen in the world came out of the very emperors that ruled during Paul's time. Did all kinds of horrific things to children. Women were property. Babies were discarded in the trash. All kinds of horrific things happened where there is all sorts of disparity between those who have and those who don't. And if you say the wrong thing, you're in trouble. In fact, Emperor Nero, if you've ever heard of him, he was kind of crazy. And uh, often whenever he was mad and something wouldn't go his way, he would blame Christians because he didn't know who else to blame. And so he would use Christians as torches for his garden parties to help light the party. So all could have a good time. Surely on Wednesday morning, this country won't look like that. And yet it's in this context under these leaders that Paul writes, submit to authority. But what if they're unjust? Submit to authority. But what if they're really mean? Submit to authority. But what if I don't like them? Submit to authority. See, Paul writes that all government, good and bad, comes from God. No, this doesn't mean that God wants Hitler to rule and kill a bunch of Jews. It doesn't mean that God wants Nero to burn these Christians. It doesn't mean that the division and the pain and the suffering in America is God's desire. But at the sound of his voice, everything can and will change. When he returns, everything will be better. So our God who has all authority and all power, it's not that he's letting evil happen because he has some evil will or malicious intent. It's not that he's just passively sitting back and like figure it out yourself. No, this God of ours has a plan. And his plan is that as many as possible would come to be saved, would come to know the hope and the joy and the peace that is found in him. And for a little while, though much too long for you and I, he waits. And in the meantime, he doesn't just let it all go to hell in a handbasket. He has a plan and we trust Paul, he continues a few verses later. He says, For because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities, our ministers of God, attending to this very thing. See, what was right between these sections, he talks about those who do wrong get punished because they need to be punished. And the government acts as the hand of God to punish those who do evil. For this very reason, we pay our taxes, we submit to authority because they are doing something good for the world even if they're really terrible. Pay to all what is owed to them. 
Taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. And then the next verse, owe no one anything except to love each other. Paul, he writes in the context of a government that is not friendly, a government that is not just, a government that is not good. He says, submit. This is the thing you should do. Pay them what's owed. Give them what's due. Respect them. Honor them. Submit to them. See, Paul, he's not the only one who says this. I'm going to flip to 1 Peter here in a moment, but before I do, I want to share with you a quote from one of my professors in seminary. This quote was so good, I just, I had to write it down. I didn't want to forget it. Here it is. You ready for this? Any idiot can be a rebel. What takes real courage is to live within the system while maintaining one's identity and integrity. See, when Paul writes, submit to authority, it's really simple to overthrow authority. In fact, in Paul's very age, there were many people, dozens of people who came to say, I've come to bring a new kingdom and I will completely abolish the old. And they took it by force. And oftentimes it just created more destruction and more pain and more suffering. Any idiot can rebel. You want to see the true test of a person? Can you submit to somebody who doesn't deserve it? Can you submit to an authority that is evil? Can you submit to one that you say is completely ungodly? See, that's an act of love, this humble submission. To say, I recognize the authority given to you even if I don't agree with it. So I submit. It takes a lot more courage to bravely and confidently be who God made you to be in a government that you think is completely against you. In a government that doesn't do anything you think is godly. It takes a lot more to simply focus your energy on being the kind of hope this world needs to have than it does on blaming and accusing and attacking those who aren't bringing that hope. So to First Peter. Peter himself, one of the disciples of Jesus who was there with Jesus. Peter himself, who was the guy who tried when they came to arrest Jesus to fight back with force, and he attempted to kill a man. Thankfully, he had terrible aim and just cut off the guy's ear. And Jesus, he bends down, he picks up the ear, he puts it back on. He's like, hey, that's, that's not the way of my people. That, that's not what we are about. This very Peter, he then writes this. Chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every government, every human institution. See, it's really easy to submit to an authority or a government you agree with and you think has your best interest in mind. It's really easy if the person you want to win on Tuesday wins to say, look, isn't this great? But it takes a lot to submit to somebody you don't agree with. Look, for the Lord's sake, do this. Why is it that it's for the Lord's sake that we submit to every human institution? Because doing it for your sake or my sake will fail us every time. 
Doing it for you or for me, submitting to gain something from it is no different than the rest of the world who submits to those that they have something to gain from. But to submit to those that you actually have everything to lose from, to submit to those who are in authority, even if they could take everything, your very life, your very possession, your very family, to submit to those people. The only way we can do that is if it's for God's sake. For the Lord's sake, submit. He goes on, for this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. See, so many Christians in America today think that as long as my candidate, my vote, my person, my party, my platform, as long as they win, this country will get better. No, no it won't. By doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. See, when people are doing bad, you don't have to be the alarm that says that person, that party, that platform sucks. They're horrible. People know it. But you actually get to be the good that you wish those people were doing. By doing good, everybody who has an accusation, who says, no, 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 this is good, that is better, this is right, they can look at you and see, no, everything we're clinging to is foolish and ignorant. But when we raise our voices and we lift up our cries and we spend all of our energy trying to prove to other people that they are the problem, nobody listens. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. In a world where he was not free, in fact, often imprisoned, Peter himself was killed because of the gospel. In a world where things weren't just and peaceful and right, live as people who are free. No, that doesn't mean free to say whatever I want is right or whatever's good for me is good for you. It's not free to say you must do as I please. It's not free to enforce your will upon others, but instead free to live as servants of God. God, I'll submit to this government I disagree with for your sake. God, I'll submit to these leaders I don't like for your sake. God, I will do good when evil is being done for your sake. Because you're worth it. I know what you've said. I know what you'll do. So I'll submit. Live as people who are free. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, which means Christians. Love one another as Christians. Fear God. Honor the emperor. What words of Peter? Honor everyone. Do you prepare to go to the ballot on Tuesday? Have you done that? Have you honored those who voted differently than you? Have you honored those whose opinions and perspectives actually contradict your perspectives? Have you honored those who were elected that you don't agree with? Honor everyone. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. See, it's really tempting to say, 
I'm justified in my rebellion. I'm justified in my overthrowing. I'm justified in my pushing back. I'm, I'm justified in these things because of their evil. But did you catch what Peter says? Look, it's really gracious thing to endure suffering, especially at the hands of injustice. When something or someone comes against you and seeks to steal or destroy the very thing God is giving or doing, or someone in their hatred says something or does something that is absolutely horrific and wrong, it's a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. I had the opportunity two weeks ago when I was in Memphis. Uh, I was there for a pastor's conference and we arrived early. And so we said, what should we do for two hours in Memphis? And I had the opportunity to go and visit the Civil Rights Museum. If you've never been to the Civil Rights Museum, it will take your breath away at many points. Because you read statistics and stories of slaves who were ripped away from their families and brought here to this country, who built the economic foundation of this country. You read stories of individuals who gave their lives fighting to make this right. And you read the opposition, the people who said no. The people who pushed over and over and over again for the way of life, the things they were accustomed to, the things they believed, even the people who used God's word as an excuse to justify doing really terrible and unjust things. And as I walked through this museum, and I read and I soaked it in, there's a couple things that caught my eye that I want to share with you today. The first was this. In the civil rights movement, do you know who was leading the way? The church. Over and over and over again, all throughout this museum, we see people of faith stepping up and saying something isn't right. But then there's a second part that caught my eye. By and large, over and over and over again, there was a message. When we choose to disobey this authority, when we engage in challenging the very authority that is unjust, we will commit to doing it in a way that is peaceful and that is loving. And those two things really caught me in many ways because I don't think that's where the church is today. I don't think the church collectively is raising our voice saying there is a problem of injustice and we need to be the ones to change it. No, we say, that's wrong, stop it. That morality isn't okay, you aren't living right. Or we say, I really care about that issue, but I can't raise my voice because it comes with all this negative baggage or connotations. And those who are raising their voice because they're not being led by the church today aren't raising their voice with a commitment to nonviolence and peace. Yes, there are many, many, many who are. But as a whole, that's not the narrative we hear today. As I walked through that museum, I asked myself this question, what does it look like to submit to authority and also know that there comes a time and a place? There comes a moment where we can no longer be silent. We have to say this isn't good. What does that look like? So if on Wednesday morning when you wake up, 
You read these scriptures and you struggle. I don't know how to submit to this leadership. I don't know how to submit to this government because it's not good for the people I love and care about. If that's the way you wake up on Wednesday, then I want you to keep these four things in mind. First, we're going to read what happens just a few verses later in 1 Peter. Beginning in in verse 22, he's describing Jesus, the life that Jesus lived. He's describing the suffering Jesus endured unjustly. The one who did not deserve to suffer a criminal's death, but was crucified nevertheless. The one who was mocked and spit on, the one who was given all kinds of terrible things to drink, the one who was hated and reviled, he says this. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He goes on to say, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. This is Jesus, the one who didn't sin, but he suffered. The one who was hated and reviled, yet he remained silent like a sheep being led to slaughter. The one who did not accuse and hate his enemies, but as he suffered and died, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. So how do we challenge authority like Jesus? Well, first, do no wrong. If you feel so compelled to say this government isn't good, you have to begin with this. Do no wrong. It is never, ever helpful to join in the sin of others in the name of changing something that's wrong. It might be tempting and desirable But like Jesus, your witness will always shine brighter when you resolve, no matter the consequence, no matter the situation, no matter the injustice, I will always live above reproach, which means I'll speak well of those who seem to hate me. I'll speak kindly of those I fundamentally disagree with. I'll treat them as my neighbor, even if they don't return the favor. If you so feel the need to challenge authority, begin with doing no wrong. The very challenge you have against them, in what ways are you guilty of the same things? Do no wrong. Next, if we so feel the need to disobey, to challenge authority and say this isn't good, we have to do so speaking the truth. And only the truth. It's never helpful in any move or motivation or drive to say, I will speak a partial truth, a twisted truth. I will share it because I like it. No, we need to speak the truth. In fact, Scripture says that we're called to speak the truth in love. If you can't speak the truth in love, don't speak. It's that simple. If you so feel on Wednesday morning that you need to do something to raise awareness and push for justice, you say something isn't right. You just can't submit. 
commit to doing no wrong, and only speaking the truth. And only then, after you've done those two things, are you maybe, maybe ready to say, I can no longer submit to this government. But then comes this third thing. If you wish to, to challenge a government, to challenge an unjust ruler or authority, like Jesus, love your enemies. Can you do that? Can you love those who hurl insults? Can you love those who maybe take action that is violent and forceful? Can you love those you fundamentally disagree with? If you can't do that, you're not ready to challenge authority. If you can't love those who hate you, you're not ready to say this isn't good. Leave it for somebody else. Do no wrong. Speak the truth. Love your enemy. And finally, if you feel the need to challenge authority and say, I cannot in good conscience sit silently underneath this leadership, if you so feel the need, be willing to embrace suffering. See, we don't like that word in our culture today. But as I walked through that civil rights museum, one of the things that was so moving is the horrible atrocities done against the very people speaking the truth. This isn't right. The horrible atrocities. They just accepted. And they took the beating and they celebrated. And they went to jail and they celebrated. They got right back up and said, let's keep going. The early church experienced all kinds of pain. They counted it as joy to be considered worthy of suffering with Christ. So if, if you're doing no wrong and you're speaking the truth and you're loving your enemy, some people will hate it. And that's where you have to be willing to embrace suffering. Are you okay with them taking your possessions? If not, maybe challenging the government is not for you. Are you okay with losing your family? Being imprisoned? Taking a beating? Maybe even dying? If not, this isn't your fight to fight. So ask yourself that on Wednesday morning. If things don't go the way you plan or the way you hope, am I willing to die to defend these things? If not, just sit silently and pray for God to do as he will, as he always does, provide for us and for one another. Choose to be the very person who loves regardless of who's in office, who serves regardless of platform and party, who gives of yourself to do right, regardless of what kind of wrong is done. Let God work the rest out. So as we finish today, what do you do on Wednesday morning if things don't go as you plan? Submit to authority. And if you just can't, then you need to do no wrong, speak the truth, love your enemy, and embrace suffering. And if you can't do those things, just sit down and trust. God's got this. It'll be okay. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, you have called us, your people, to be a voice, 
to stand and to speak the truth, to love our enemies, to give ourselves for the sake of others. But God, you've called us to do so as those who are without sin, forgiven by you. Teach us to submit no matter what may come. May we do so as an act of love to you, recognizing your authority and your power that you will one day restore all things. God, in those places where we cannot sit silent, give us the strength to love, to serve, and to embrace whatever may come. That through our sacrificial life, justice may prevail. Life may prevail. Love may prevail. God, I pray in the things to come, the desperate times and places of this nation, I pray that your church would be a light, shining bright for all to see. You are king. May we submit to all others as we submit to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we continue our worship today, we're going to collect our offering. For those of you who prefer to give cash or check, uh, we do have the popcorn buckets in the back corners you can give as you leave today. And for those of you who prefer to give online, you can do so at thepointknox.com by clicking the little blue button in the bottom corner. However you give and whatever you give, know that it's not to get God's love, but because you already have it. All right, we have um, a couple comments and a couple questions this morning. Uh, The first, I'm just going to say the comment first, it made me giggle. Um, Someone was like, I love your optimism that we're going to have a result on Wednesday. (laughs) Uh, Fair enough. Yeah, that was great. Um, Okay, so these questions. One, if we are always to submit, should not have David, okay, should David have not, anyway, David and Saul, you know. We love your questions. Thank you, guys. Yep. when Saul came to kill David, shouldn't he have like submitted himself since it was the king's wish to see him dead? Ooh, that's great. Uh, if you know the story, Dave, or for quite a while, see, it's, it's hard to say. Yeah, tongue twist. Yeah. Saul pursues David trying to kill him, and Saul is not quite right, and he's also mad because he's going to lose his authority as king, and he's afraid what happens if he loses that authority. And David has on multiple occasions the opportunity to kill Saul. But rather than rising up and taking what he knows is rightfully his, in each of those opportunities, he actually confesses to Saul. He's like, I'm really sorry I shamed you during this. I shouldn't have. I need to honor you. Um, now, does submitting to authority means we would just like hand ourselves over and, hey, here I am, now come kill me? Well, no, I don't think so. In fact, none of the disciples just like walked up to the emperor and were like, hey, please kill me. But when that opportunity and moment arose, they didn't run from it. So uh, David didn't need to hand himself over to be killed because he had done nothing wrong. Had he been captured and killed, then so be it. Um, On a similar vein, but end times version, uh, don't you love those end times questions? When the end times come and when Satan comes to the earth to take control, are we supposed to submit to him until Christ comes? Uh, Good question. (laughs) So... I don't know if you heard, he said, well, isn't, isn't he already here? Like, isn't Satan already here? Um, that question, to answer it, we'll have to go into a point leftovers to go more in depth, but the real short answer is it depends on what you believe is coming in the end times. 
If you believe that Revelation is read in a very literal, chronological manner, as some do in the church, then, yeah, Satan's going to come in this powerful form that's going to rule over one government over the whole world, and it gets really murky to submit to that. Uh, If, however, you believe that the book of Revelation is not chronological and linear, and you read all of the scripture about the end times to be more describing what happens with Jesus, um, you get to this picture where we are currently living in the end times. There's not something big, some huge moment we're waiting for, but instead, everything is fulfilled. Jesus could come back right now and save us the election trouble, but he's waiting until... All who will be have been saved. So I see the end times less as this fearful thing of, oh no, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse, doom and gloom. And more as this promised hope that no matter what we face today, Jesus is coming, it'll be okay. So. Good. Ooh, I just lost my... Lost your question. Lost my phone. Um, but it, I remember what it said. While you're pulling Did that you, back up, oh. I just got a phone call. This is how much I can't stand politics right now politician calling to get my vote. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay, so this one says, did you know in the old century, the Japanese banned Christianity and they would kill the ones who were Christian? Why is that? That's not new. That has, it actually still happens today. Around the world, there are a lot of Christians who are killed or imprisoned still just for being Christian. Jesus said that would happen. He said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Like, families will be divided against families. There's this reality in Scripture that, as Americans, we often don't like, which is that Christians are not supposed to be the people the world likes. Because we should be so different from the world that it fundamentally is uncomfortable to be around us and continue to live like the world. But instead, we just simply say, I want to live like the world and tell you not to. So, yeah, I don't know why they chose to kill Christians, but Jesus said they would. In fact, 11 of the 12 disciples were killed simply because they were Christian. Um, The last thing texted in, someone said that worship and sound was really great today. So thank you for saying that. And there was something that's texted in during the week that we saw, and it was a question about Thanksgiving. Uh, What are we as a church doing for Thanksgiving? In years past, we've had Friendsgiving. We've had a lot of opportunity to invite your friends or family who don't have a place to go to come in and eat and share food. We're not doing anything like that this year. Because of COVID and the recommendation of smaller gatherings while eating and things like that. But if you or somebody you know doesn't have a Thanksgiving to join and you're really tired of being alone, you want somebody who can be there with you, we'll help you find somebody that can safely join and celebrate and love you during Thanksgiving. So uh, if you have any more questions at any point, feel free to text them in during the week and we'll respond to them next week or uh, in the middle of the week on our Wednesday night point leftovers. Join us this week for communion. It's going to be a really great time Wednesday night at 6.30, an awesome time to stop, to reflect, to pause, and to receive Christ's very body and blood. Is there anything else before the benediction? Cool. I sometimes forget things. So with that then, uh, I'm going to speak this blessing and benediction I speak every single week over you. And I invite you then afterwards, we're going to sing a song that is the very same benediction, just sung. I invite you to receive those words as a blessing and then join in the singing of these words. And afterwards, feel free to stick around as long as you'd like or leave as quick as you need. I'm glad you're here. Receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.
Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.